Hello, listeners of the ASI Podcast. My name is Russ Shaw. This is Season 5 of the ASI Podcast. You happen to be listening, my listeners, to Episode 24. I'm gonna break my, gonna break my rusty cage and run. I'm gonna break, I'm gonna break my, gonna break my rusty cage and run. This is the podcast your mother warned you about. It is a podcast that, yes, it's marked explicit for obvious reasons. This this might ruffle some feathers, all right? This this podcast here. Uh, now that I have backyard chickens, my wife and I, I actually know what that means. <laughs> you know, the rough feathers start to ruffle. You don't reach your hand in there grabbing for an egg, all right? Uh, I digress. Um, this is the podcast on sexual addiction that gets to the gritty underbelly, the, the concrete, down to the floor, under the floorboards, down... You know, right down there in the in the mess and the muck underneath the foundation, right? We're getting a jackhammer and we're gonna get down below all that surfacey behavior mod crap that you've tried before and didn't freaking work, right? I get passionate about this stuff. It's, it's dear to me. The, some I get an email from someone that says, "Hey, I, I finally started seeking real help," and and that excites me. That's my hope for even doing this. Is that you, the listener, would like like waking from a dream and, and grabbing a pickaxe, busting up that. F- concrete that you covered the bodies with, alright? Gonna get down there into those bones, into that scary place where you hid that stuff. And man, in theological terms, this is where your relationship with God becomes real. I would always wonder why I couldn't see God or meet God, or but this is where the Spirit would bring the light and warmth of healing into that, that valley of dry bones in there, all right? Because it's real. And this is where faith comes alive. So listen, as you can tell, I'm excited about that because that's where real freedom happens. Not this, you know, I'm sorry, but it's not just counting your days and behavior mod BS. Um, It's just short term and it's just more pain in the future. Getting in there, all right? That's what we're going to talk about. Um, Again, disclaimer, right? I am not a professional therapist, psychosomatic professor, uh, psychologist, priest, prophet, pastor. Uh, I'm a punk, all right? I am a professional unprofessional, aspiring to be a professional punk, all right? But not in the musician type of terms. A punk theologist, right? I'll unpack what that means later, but as far as music is concerned, I don't even know how to play an instrument. Uh, I know how to play a stereo. That's about my extent of my musical uh, instrument abilities. I'll stop slaughtering the English language now. 
and get into some bumper music to kick off some of the uh, emotional temperature in this topic. Money Talks, little ACDC. Entitling this episode, God, Sex, and Money, because this podcast... Yes, there it goes. This podcast is on the topic of of sexual addiction, so talking about sex more than money. But over time, if you've been listening to this podcast for any length of time, you've heard me beg for money a lot. Right. And part of that is that this is a listener supported podcast. So ASI247.org, click on the give page if you'd like to give to help keep this podcast afloat. Um, If I had money, even if I had the money to just do this, would I still do it if no one donated to it? Um, There's something to the reciprocation from listeners, right? Like if this is making a difference in your life, if if, if something is impacting your life, you kind of want to support it, right? Or you'd want to help keep it going. I, I don't know. Is that weird? I'm still struggling with that one. But the, you hear what I'm saying? The fact that this podcast exists is because people out there feel it has value and they give their money, right? Their their hard-earned money to it, which is life energy, all right? Now, I've had my issues with money. I ain't going to lie. I ain't got money all figured out. Um, that's part of maybe being a, a punk working that word out and teasing it out to see what it means for someone like myself, um, being a ADHD, uh, diagnosed with attention deficit, hyperactive disorder, right? Like that's, I don't see it so much of as a disorder. I'm a very creative person. Other people that I've met that have been tagged with this label, um, are also very creative people. It's no picnic, all right, um, having my brain wired like it is, my emotions flow like they do. All right, but um, I, I guess I'm a I'm a born punk, right? And and punk isn't always negative. I mean, yeah, it has some negative connotations to it. You, you, you people use it to insult other people, right? That guy's a punk. Um, I always see it as a term of endearment. Uh, but that's just me. I I like chaos a little bit, all right? I, I enjoy, I, I see beauty in things that other people may see as ugly, broken, or cracked, or frail, right? I, I see beauty in that. And that's one of the things that, you know, being a Christian, the fact that I'm a Christian, still a Christian, is kind of amazing, because there's a lot of that in westernized 
Christian culture that, you know, that rubs up against how people should or ought to be. I'm not going to just sign up for what people should or ought to be. A lot of folks like myself aren't, all right? Uh, Creative artists, and everyone has creativity in them, all right? I am not one who's going to say that, well, and I used to kind of talk like that, but more I get around people, the more I interact with people and learn from people, and become a student of people. I think people are fascinating. Like there's people out there that go watch animals and stuff and study animals. I study people because I, I love people. I think they're they're incredibly fascinating creatures. All right. And I used to say, well, there's some people that have the creative gene or personality, and there's some people that don't. Um, I've learned over time that that's bullshit. All right. Everyone is creative. Everyone has this this art in them. Everybody does. But for some people, it's harder to to let go of Sigmund Freud, who is the grandfather of clinical psychology. Right. He's the guy that started a lot of what we know as modern day psychology had this uh, metaphor. A lot of what Freud did was not science, really. I know that may sound harsh, but I mean, I've listened to psych lectures. I listened to the whole semester of psych lectures, intro psych, from a bunch of different really prestigious colleges. And they all mentioned Freud because he is kind of the granddaddy of this stuff. But... There's some people in the academic world who study psychology who say there's two things you need to know about Freud. A, he's dead, and B, he's wrong. I'm not going to go to that extreme, but a lot of what he did was he, he came up with really good metaphors to explain us, all right? And one of those was this term anal, all right? Have you heard that term? Like, you're being anal. That person's anal. Um what that what that is that's a reference to something that freud came up with and it's known as anal retention all right and this is in the study of babies so they're studying babies and they and they learn that like people have different personality types that we're like born with all right and some babies really don't like to give up their contents if you know what i mean they don't want to fill up a diaper right they hold that stuff in and they try and keep it and they'll cry and then finally they'll release you know their shit (laughs) and and i'm right people like myself i think are more around where we you know we're not afraid of hold right we'll just let our shit go and then we'll paint do finger paints with it i mean that's kind of and so that's that's weird right but that's a buck of authority um we we're gonna rub up against people who may be really dot the i cross the t kind of people uh and that's okay but it can cause some friction in relationships for example right people that are very different than you are going to I mean, it's funny how God will put couples together like that, right? Like your your spouse or your partner all of a sudden seems to be very uh, getting on your nerves because what you're attracted to is that part of yourself that they tend to come in and fill that gap. But because they're not like us, you know, our ego rises up, right? And we want to defend ourselves or try and keep our little island. My point is, when it comes to 
sexuality. I've, I've done a lot of work in this area, depression, anxiety, done a lot of work in those areas. But I tend to have this knee-jerk reaction inside of me to, to tend to fight and buck authority a little. And listen, that's not all bad. The fact that punks, right, <laughs> the punk theologists out there may buck authority some, that's part of the creativity that we're built with. I heard this great quote by uh, an artist named Scott Adams, and he said, creativity is allowing yourself to make mistakes. Art is knowing which ones to keep. There's something really beautiful about that. That as we go through our lives, we're not just obeying all the rules, but we're living in a way that's colorful, energetic, that gives life. And that, in my opinion, and in my research, glorifies God. All right? You're talking about it's okay to sin, Russ? Ecclesiastes chapter 7, uh, 16 through 18. This is a from the Bible, the good news translation. So don't be too good or too wise. Why kill yourself? Verse 17, don't be too wicked or foolish either. Why die before you have to? Avoid both extremes. If you have a reverence for God, you will be successful anyway. Some translations say... Take hold of both being good and bad, right? Because the one who fears the Lord will walk in this reverence, right? There's there's many translations of this verse. Um, here's another one of my, my favorites. This is from the, uh, and I love the message. Eugene Peterson's The Message translation is is so great. I've seen it all in my brief and pointless life. Like, that's just totally something that... It's a fairly existential book of the Bible. If you're philosophy, you like philosophy, you're, you would love Ecclesiastes, especially Ecclesiastes 7. And this is King Solomon. I mean, this guy lived beyond the lifestyle of a rock star, all right? This guy did just about everything. And this book is written in the... Uh, the autumn of his life, so to speak, right? He's he's elderly, and he writes this, and that's something he would totally say. It's, it's funny to me. I don't know why. It's just this character. His life is meaningless, right? The vexation of spirit. Um, anyway, check this out. So, all, and this is from 15 to 17. So this backs up one verse instead of 16 to 18. Anyway, 15 to 18. Here we go. I've seen all in my brief and pointless life. Here is a good person cut down in the middle of doing good. There is a Here is a bad person living a life of sheer evil. Don't knock yourself out being good, and don't go overboard being wise. Believe me, you won't get anything out of it. But don't press your luck on being bad either. And don't be reckless. Why die needlessly? It is best to stay in touch with both sides of an issue. A person who fears God deals responsibly with all of reality, not just a piece of it. I love that, right? That is so true. And that's what good art comes out of. All right. But one thing I've noticed that artists aren't all that wealthy, right? And some of them that do get money 
don't handle it well. Um, Kurt Cobain, right? Amy Winehouse, Bon Scott of, of the ACDC there, right? Before um, I could name a bunch of artists who... Like, money has something to do with how we process our lives and the economy to which our, our hearts flow. Where your money is, there your heart will be also. That's uh, Matthew 6, right? Lately, I've realized that I find myself spending time with a lot of authors, right? People who write, people who speak, intellectuals. People have been to college, uh, way more educated than I am, and one thing that I appreciate about them is that they are artists in a way, right? There is art behind what they're doing. There's also what I've seen in in a lot of artists and authors, right? Schooled, scholarly people. People that have a lot more bead on their financial life than someone like myself. In other words, to clarify, it seems that author artists, storytellers, and folks that gather research and and data and then put it together in the form of a book, um, their lives tend to show a more self-disciplined path than, say, a musician or a painter, uh, for example. Um, I had one of those guys on the podcast recently, uh, Cash Peters. Cash Peters, uh, who it turns out doesn't live in Beverly Hills, but he lives in L.A. In a, in a nice neighborhood. I believe he's in Hollywood Hills. He is neighbors with celebrities. Uh, I believe it's his partner who owns a salon in Beverly Hills. If I, I could be wrong, but. I'm pretty sure that's the case going by memory. Anyway, my point is that I admire guys like Cash because he he has it, right? Like if you want – some of you are listening to this podcast because you're like, okay, here's someone who's seen some recovery, some good freedom or victory or whatever you want – word you want to use over sexual addiction, right? Sexual compulsive behavior. I want to learn that. So I'm going to listen to this guy's podcast, right? So people will, people will say that. I don't know what that was. A jar just – popped back there in the background. Anyway, my point is, if you want to learn something, it's good to learn from people who have done the thing you want to do, correct? Right? Cash is one of those guys, and he's an artist, and he's an author, and he was in radio. Like, that's one of those things. Like, I admire Cash for those reasons. Like, this is, uh, he was worked for the BBC for 40 years. I'm a communicator here blabbing into a microphone. This guy knows more than I do about wealth management, obviously, and putting his uh, ideas that he gives birth to out into the world and not just making money off them. Cause he would say, even when he did my podcast, he said, I didn't do this to sell my book. Um, but what he's doing is he's he has value in him and he's putting that out there, giving birth to it so to speak. And that's something that I talked about last year when I started this concept of compulsion into creativity, taking some of that compulsive nature, right, that undirected energy and bringing it into something that's creative and focused. And 
focus for me is not the easiest thing in the world. But again, that's what makes me creative, I believe. So he uh, put this on his podcast. He does a couple of podcasts. One's called The Life Quiz. The other one's called The Thursday Morning Review, which I guess is now going to become the psychic drive-through, something like that. Anyway, he played this clip of my show on his show. So here you go. Uh, but there was also another podcast I heard over Christmas. Now, I'm not going to give this guy's name because I don't want to embarrass him. It's just an interesting point to me. And I happened to listen to this one, too, because I'd been interviewed by him a few weeks ago. And so I thought I'd listen to his Christmas podcast. Well, I hear him talking about me. And the first thing I hear him say is this. It reminded me of uh, Cash Peters, my interview with Cash Peters. He wrote a book, uh, a little book about believing Something that he does is called the Say Yes to Everything Month. You say yes to everything, and Cash would say that too. He says, you know, that was what I was telling Seth. I said, maybe I should ask Cash for $10,000. Like He he lives in Beverly Hills in a gated house, right? What? (laughs) No. No, I won't give you $10,000. No, Cash said. He's not going to do that because that's other people manipulating him. He's not going to be manipulated right because that's obviously them trying to use him <laughs> ten thousand dollars and no i don't live in beverly hills he's got this idea in his head that i live in beverly hills i don't but anyway no but the other thing he said though was very very interesting and it's tied in with that but listen to this we just get jaded and we just get used to habitually saying no to everything what if we were able to stop think about it a minute and go yes right I've been doing this with homeless people. Like, I don't tend to give them money. One is because I don't have any money, and two is because I, I don't have any money. Um, but I do, I'll buy hand warmers because it's cold this time of year. It's snowing right now outside, which is awesome. As do you hear that? I have no money. I don't have any money. I have no money is like saying when you are ill, I have cancer, or I have Parkinson's, or I have MS. Every time you label what is wrong with your life, you own it. It becomes yours. So if you say, I have no money, that doesn't put out a cry to the universe to give you money. All it says is, I have no money, and you magnetize that situation to you even more than you have it already. I have no money is the worst thing you can ever say. There have been times in my life when I had no money either. Did I ever admit that? No. I always, in my head, had money. Always. I always think I have money. And even when I've been broke, I had one time in my life at the age of 40, I think I had something like $18 to my name. I mean, I had nothing else. I was sleeping on my brother's couch. I had nothing. But even then, I would never admit I had no money. So to say, I have no money, or I am poor, or I am broke, all it does is emphasize the vibration of lack that you are operating under. That's all it does. It doesn't achieve anything other than galvanizing the problem. All right, so this is what Cash said. And my reaction to that, when I first heard it, at first I I was angry, all right? And this is something that, looking back, so my mom passed away in December and working through that and I'm I'm I was sort of very emotionally raw all right and, and so I heard that and my first reaction was 
and this has been something that I've realized and noticed about myself throughout my life is that I tend to, when something vague is thrown at me, however true it may be, I just, I just want to, not to say that I believe everything Cash is saying here, but when I do, when someone is saying something like that, there's, there's this like vague sensor in me. And I'm like, that's vague, man. Like, what the hell are you talking about? Because I can't, I can't seem to pay my bills. Like, and it's really frustrating when you don't have enough money to pay your bills. And then I measure that frustration that I have with what he said about just, just pretend you have money or not pretend, but don't admit that you don't have money. That's hard to do when you're paying your and there's no money. So that's where I, I, I think the frustration met what he said. And I actually apologized to him because I sort of went on a rant and I sent it to him. Uh, since he's been on the show, you know, we... Uh, anyway, so I sent him this kind of horrible response and it was mostly birthed out of this thing that I've had. It's like this triggered thing in me where I get really angry about vagueness. Right. I mean, I, and I saw this when I was in chemical dependency, when I was in groups and this, this idea of ego. And then there was a term that they would say. There's all these little terms they would say in recovery, like your ego is not your amigo. And it was like, what the fuck does that mean? You know, <laughs> really angry about stuff like that. Or wherever you go, there you are. I mean, what? You know, I'm, I'm my life is burning down and you throw pithy shit like that at me and I would get really angry. So what did I learn from that time? Um, obviously I learned something, right? Because I'm not dead. Right? I'm not, I don't drink myself unconscious on a regular basis. Um, I, I don't use amphetamines or street drugs anymore. I don't even smoke pot anymore. Right. And that's legal here where I live. Um, how does this tie in with sexual addiction, you may be asking? Going back in my story, I did believe some of what Cash was saying there, and that, I believe, was also what triggered some of this really angry emotional response as well. Uh, back in 1999, I was doing pretty well, and I and I thought, right, I, I still had the porn issues, and that was causing some disruption in my ability to be intimate and, and open with my wife. And I believed that I could be rich, right? I, going to a prosperity gospel kind of church, tithing my 10%, like it's what they tell you, you give your 10%, that God's going to bless you. If you don't trust God, then you don't, right? You right? So doing that discipline kind of thing and then reading books hanging around people who were more positive minded reading books like think and grow rich napoleon hill uh tony robbins i listened to just about every audiobook that tony robbins had out there at the time hanging around people that also consumed this kind of material and i think that my relationship with money to tie this in a little bit was very much like my relationship with the opposite sex or my view of women, for example. The object of my desire was shallow at a certain level. 
And listen, this wasn't all negative, right? Like I was in a better mood most of the time. I felt better about myself. I was more generous and more giving at that time. And listen, this is before the affairs, all right? The cheating. This is in compulsive porn stage. But even that, I was becoming less and less interested in viewing pornography, uh, even drinking beer and stuff like that. I, I didn't drink a whole lot during this time as well. But the truth is, I was pursuing money much like I was pursuing illicit sexual stuff for, for all the wrong reasons. And like that old country song prophetically said, looking for love in all the wrong places. So when Cash used the word money in there, what got triggered in me was money, right? What I should have been asking is what's money? And I don't want to be too redundant. I've told this story before. Um, I drove a BMW. I had a... Stock. I traded stock options. I had a stock option account, and I was trading not just stocks, but options, and doing fairly well at that, too. Uh, I had a internet startup that I was pursuing. They, they actually contacted me, a investment capital company. It contacts me, Russ Shaw, all right? Think of who I am. I'm a pizza guy who developed this little thing on the internet, and it attracted some people that had me come to this office in Bellevue and sign non-disclosure agreements and they're throwing around big numbers like we could get this thing going and I started to think to myself all right you know this is coming together for me you know all this positive thinking and giving money to God and all of that like it's starting to work and in 1999 the Nasdaq crashed and the financial investment folks didn't return my calls. They ended up did they, they ended up calling me later and saying, "Hey, you know, we're still interested in your idea. You can put it on our servers or on our machines, but we can't pay you. Like we can give you stock options." And it turned out that the parent company for that company was MCI WorldCom. So it was a good thing I didn't go ahead and do that. But I had a family to support. I couldn't just write not pay my bills so I just let that dream die and that was painful um, my trading stock option stuff that I was doing with some friends that that fell apart too uh, each time when, when the NASDAQ crashed as far as the market was concerned we were out of the market we weren't in it we weren't we didn't have we didn't lose anything with you when you trade stock options you can actually make money also on the market going down so we weren't doing that either but we should have been because we kept getting in and going the market's going to go up from here it can't crash any more than this and it did it went down dramatically so we would get back in and go this has got to be the bottom here it's going to rise from here and it went down, and my broker called it catching a falling piano. And all of this hurt, right? All of this, I, my, the church, right? And all this stuff I learned about prosperity and about putting positive out in the universe, and all of that was just crushed in April of 1999. This also affected how I viewed God, or in Cash's case, the universe, is what Cash would say, right? Uh, 
or whatever it is out there that grants favor. And as a Christian, a guy who I thought picked the right God, who got me off the sauce, right, off trying to kill myself with chemical substances, that God freed me from that, and now he was freeing me from poverty. And I grew up in a trailer park, man, all right? So I, I, I saw this as, as very crushing this this time in my life um, I had cut my hair I was dressing like someone who was you know winning in life uh, I bought a used BMW that I end up that that got smashed in an accident not my fault uh, actually that turned out to be a good thing because his insurance company gave me way more than I could have sold the car for my point with all this is, my financial outlook and the way that I viewed money was much like the way I viewed sexuality and my trust in God in that situation was broken. So not only uh, did that grow a root of bitterness towards that kind of prosperity first teaching, um, it also grew to the point where I believed that church itself was bullshit. But it wasn't because I couldn't get wealthy or rich. It was because I was a porn addict. I thought that God was just horribly disappointed in me. And that's why I wasn't being blessed or, or having favor. It's because I was doing this evil thing of consuming these women who were in horrible situations in the porn industry. So I tried and tried to quit the porn stuff again on my own and failed over and over and over again. So, you know, coming up with this conclusion that I'm just going to have to grind out my life. And I gave up on church. I gave up on God. Uh, I still believed in God. I just didn't understand because whatever I'd been fed about who God is was obviously wrong based on what I had learned in my, my circumstances. Uh, like this series of unfortunate events and I'm Lemony Snicket. I don't know. But it just seemed like all this shit just kept happening to me. I remember during this time, it's like my heart started to grow cold. I was less generous, less open-handed, less, you know, hands out to give. I was tight, you could say, using that uh, Freudian anal about my giving, sort of, right? I'd been pulling back myself, not giving, not being generous with my, not just my money, but that was part of it. But with my being, with myself, I was like a baby holding its shit. Not that I'm shit. Right? Maybe that's a whole terrible analogy right there. But you get what I'm saying, right? Being anal, or when you refer to someone as tight with their money, what is that? And is there a heart level corresponding fear involved with that? And that's what I had to walk into, you know, and, and untying some of the stuff. Meeting those guys at AC3 was really good for me as far as the sexual stuff goes because I had to unpack why such horrible things happened to me when I was a kid, 
you know, um, my mom, my dad getting divorced, neglect by both of them, uh, my my mom marrying a, a couple other guys afterwards. I mean, she's a single mom having to work all the time. The, the neglect wasn't like she just neglected me because she was evil or drinking all the time or something like that. No, she was trying to pay the freaking bills. And I figured, okay, I'm doing better than my mom, I guess. You know, I own a house. I got a couple cars. I'm I'm doing better than a lot of folks in this world. I should be grateful. And I am grateful. But what does it mean to want more? Because that stuff is still in the Bible. And I believe the Bible. I believe that it is a God-inspired book. A universe-inspired book, if you will. And yes, there is some, you know, human stuff in there. Of course there is. But I believe that this is God. The Gospels are good news to us human beings. That we are so incredibly valuable to our Creator. We are much more valuable than gold and silver, you know, the Bible says that you're look how God des- designed the flowers and the birds. And aren't you way more valuable to God than that, that we have in us value that we are. And I believe this is what cash was saying that I misinterpreted and let it be into triggery rant, right? Was that, Money is is how Cash saw himself as a 40-year-old man being broke, sleeping on his brother's couch. He still saw himself as valuable and, and not disowned by the creator. And I think a lot of us feel like that, you know. A lot of us feel this disconnection with God. I, I, I The shack, that's why I love the shack, the book. Paul Young, former guest on the show. Uh, The movie is coming out soon. The movie, The Shack. I I saw it. My wife and I got to see it. Uh, And that's one of those things, you know. I got to be invited to a private screening of The Shack a month before it comes out in theaters because of some of the value that I've put out in the universe, to use Cash's language. Um, Yesterday, I interviewed a guy... Uh, Jay, and he wrote a book on sexual addiction, great book, but his office is in the Smith Tower in Seattle, and it's the old, it's one of the oldest skyscrapers in the United States, all right? It's 100 years ago, it was the tallest building uh, west of New York City, so it's super old, and it's like 44 stories. It's not real tall anymore. A lot of the other buildings tower over it, but the Smith Tower, it just... I'd never been in there before. And it was almost like I felt God saying, see, you know, see what I'm sharing with you. And I felt the value in that and how that's going to play out in my financial life. We'll see, but I'm understanding more and I'm seeing how money is tied to value 
And I, I, I wanted to communicate to you listeners that there's some of you who are like me and you're, you're reacting to stuff that people are trying to, to help you or you're seeking help and you're not good at it like I was, right? You're stepping out there and you're hearing stuff that, that sounds vague, but it's triggering some emotion in you like Cash did with me when he, when he played that. Um, disrespectful there's something else in men us men was i felt like i was dissed man i'm dissed at cash's show what's that about no cash had a good point um i do think that you know i i do put out there that i don't have money and yeah i could have give this guy a couple bucks the homeless guys right part of it is they're a lot of them are on drugs but that's even that Whatever they're going to spend their money on, they're going to spend their money on. The fact that I would give them money is not necessarily supporting their drug habits. You don't know that. I'm. That's fear that's flowing out and going, I'm going to hold back money from them because, right? There's a fundamental human need for security and significance in all of us. And we, we can get over ourselves get over our ego, that significance cannot just be a hoarded thing that's all about me, much like the way I saw sex, hoarding images, hoarding women's bodies, seeing them on the streets and the hoarding away that image of going away and masturbating later. There's there's some kind of weird hunger and thirst in me that is, I wanted to be significant. I wanted to feel safe. I want it to matter. And let me tell you something. You matter. You matter to God. You matter to the universe. All right? You matter. You're important. You're valuable. You are money. It's not just show me the money. All right, God, show me the money. I think that was the whole prosperity gospel's mantra. Show me the money, God. I'll perform for you. It's not about performance. It's about your spirit being center and moving from the inside outward. The the spirit pushing the ego away from center. And I'm still learning, man. I'm still learning. But uh, I'm excited about life and where where it's going from here. So I, I love you guys. And I wanted you to think about your emotional reactions and how those play out and and how valuable are you? Do you believe that yourself, that you're valuable to God? And if this demon-punishing, punitive, angry God that's been shoved down your throat from whoever growing up, that's uh, not the God of the Bible, and that's not well, the Old Testament, Russ. Look at that. God's angry at sin and all the bad stuff that happens in the world. Yes, but there's also good news. The good news is that being too good is also a sin. And it's not realizing your value. And it's not trusting and growing and being. See, my reaction to what Cash said was based on value really cash was saying i never 
What did he say? So to say, I have no money, or I am poor, or I am broke, all it does is emphasize the vibration of lack that you are operating under. There we go. That's exactly what he said. A certain amount of emotional hyper-focus around not letting ourselves just go when we need to go, right? So the way I'm interpreting what Cash is saying here is something I've said in the show before, a while back, that life doesn't stay stagnant, that we will, like we're always pouring out, all right? That's another maybe potty joke, but actually it's from the Bible. Uh, the Apostle Paul, who was talking about our lives, you know, the, the, he was defining worship, you know. And in, in Christian culture, they, the, the worship is the, it's the music at church. Well, it was a really good worship today. That's not worship, all right? Worship is the fact that your life is continuing to pour out all of the time. We're always pouring out. And it's, you know, we're either going up the hill or rolling back down. There's no staying in a, in a stagnant place where you're, you know, you can just tape your butthole shut and not go, all right? You're going to go. And what I really learned from this interaction was that in our lives, we're going to experience a certain amount of shit, right? We're going to have to experience it. We're going to have to move through it. Do we focus on it? Do we get anxious about it? Man, I do. And it has me lash out to a certain degree. But I'm learning to grow in wisdom. I'm learning to draw wisdom from people who, again, aren't just Christians. Cash, spiritual guy, but, uh, right? I mean, grew up Christian science, but not still practicing Christian stuff, right? Like, there's different language. So he's using different language here. He never saw himself as not valuable, is how I interpret what Cash was saying there. So it's the truth that's being mined by myself here, and I'm trying to communicate to you, the listener, because there's something profound about this, because it deals with the area of sexuality as well. There's a lot of folks who have a lot of money who are struggling with this, and it's because of a different kind of value that you feel about yourself on an intimate love relationship with your creator and yourself. Be value, be money. That's that's all I got to say this week. And uh, again, thanks to Cash Peters for kicking my ass a little bit. <laughs> Appreciate that. Going to end the show with some bumper music from the film The Shack. Paul Young, who's been a repeated guest on this show, uh, another valuable guy as of all the guests on this podcast. He wrote a book called The Shack. He also wrote a book called Eve and Crossroads, but The Shack was this multi-million, like 23 million copies worldwide, something crazy like that. Uh, and now it's been turned into a, a movie, a Hollywood movie, a big budget Hollywood movie, actually. Atlantic Records re- released this uh, music inspired by the film The Shack, sort of a soundtrack thing, but different right and I'm going to end this podcast with the band Skillet that's there to remind you of how valuable you are 
you right now at this moment in history with all your flaws with all your hang-ups, with all your stuff and your insecurities, you, right now, how valuable you are to the creator of the universe. There's a star burning six million billion light years away, and you're cared about here on this little speck in the universe. I want to leave you with this. This is from the Amplified Bible, uh, Matthew 6. Um, this is this is verse 21. The desires of your heart for where your treasure is, there your heart, your wishes, your desires, upon which your life centers, there you will be also. I love you guys. I mean that sincerely. Till next time, bye. The deepest depths, the darkest nights Can't separate, can't keep me from your side I get so lost, forget my way But still you love, and you don't forget my name If you can know the stars in place, you can know my You can know my heart the same Whenever I fall away Whenever I start to break So here I am, lifting up my heart